You're listening to the podcast where you can feast on all the information in the world of sports. Now, here's your host, Tommy Yu. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Dining Podcast right now, guys. It's been quite a while since we released an episode, but we are back. Hopefully, we'll be able to get more consistent. But Darren and I, we were just talking before the show started. We're just getting super busy with everything. But hey, we're still trying to make time. And honestly, I think this is the first time I'm sitting down talking to Darren since, honestly, probably the last podcast, which has probably been like a month or more right there. Yeah, I think so. I, I actually, the last time, like when I went in to make the, the doc, and so the last time I was updated was June 2nd. So it's been about a month. Yep. So that is unbelievable. But hey, a lot of things <laughs> has happened since then. So let's just get right into it to the appetizer. And I wanted to talk about some of the projects that we've been working on. But the most recent campaign of what we did was we had all of the preseason rankings were finally unveiled. And I know there are some surprises that kind of came along the way there. What was the biggest surprise to you? Uh, to me, I-, I thought Josh being placed 12th, I thought that was pretty surprising. Not not that um, he has, like, the best team or anything by any means, but, like, he has good players like DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, um, DJ Moore, like, to name a few. But, I mean, to me, I think Jensen has to be 12, right? Like, he's literally never won a game i know his team's better like don't get me wrong his team is going to be better this year with like the addition of trevor lawrence and um now he has jamar chase like his team's going to be better but he hasn't won a game so like doesn't he have to be 12 yeah i'm actually was pretty (laughs) shocked just as you were when he was ranked number 12 uh i definitely don't think josh has one of the stronger teams but definitely not the worst team at least in my opinion and one of the cool things is week one is josh versus Jensen. So, I mean, I feel like that's pretty poetic. (laughs) And the reason I bring this up is because I'm pulling up their head to head right now. And I am gravitating over towards, you know, Josh's team. He has some pretty strong guys as well, especially when you try to get into a little bit of the flex. It goes what like Miles Sanders versus Henry Ruggs, Kenny Galladay's versus Rager, uh, Matt Stafford versus Hertz. Well, you know, Hertz could be really good because of his legs and all that kind of stuff. But even the other matchups aren't that bad. DeAndre Swift versus Gaskins. And so I feel like the matchup is there and it is closer than a lot of people think, which is obviously why he ended up being last. But I was on the same boat as you. I don't think Josh has the worst team at all, but when it comes to fantasy in general, I definitely believe that Josh is a better fantasy player because correct me if I'm wrong, Darren, wouldn't you agree that Josh is one of the more aggressive and tenacious, like waiver wire guys. I've never seen anyone that kind of weaves through the waiver wire and does all that kind of stuff as much as Josh does. Yeah, absolutely. Every time I see like a Roto World blurb, actually, it's not called Roto World anymore. It's like NBC Sports Edge or whatever. Every time I see one of those and it's like like the most recent one was Chris Evans. And it was like he's impressing people in camp with his catching ability. And like 20 minutes later, Josh picked him up. (laughs) I was like, I was like, yeah, of course. And the same thing with like Jacob Harris. And like every time I see like a little coach blurb, I can expect Josh. He's going to pick him up. I mean, Josh is on top of it and everything. So it's really impressive. And he has a history of hitting on some really late draft picks. Or like I said, just picking someone up through free agency waiver wires. So his team right now is probably going to be even better by the time he faces Jensen week one. So when it's all said and done, I will be incredibly surprised if Josh ends up 
being last in the league. I know we were actually probably texting about this yesterday, and you went as far as that. I think Josh has a better chance to make the playoffs than coming last. Do you still stand by that statement? Yeah, I mean, just because of the way that how he how aggressive he is, um, I definitely don't think he's going to finish in last place unless he gets hit with like injuries and stuff. Um, because he's he's always trying to improve his team. Like you can look at his draft picks; he has none because he's always trying to use whatever future asset he can to make his team better right now. Um, so I think that he'll probably continue that trend because that's what he's done the whole time this league has been in existence, and he'll do what he can to try and make the playoffs. So. Um, he may, he still might not might not get there, but I think the chances of him finishing 12th are pretty low. I agree. I feel like just the way that he plays and the mindset that he has all factors into kind of the general makeup. When you just look at the roster, that's one thing, but then you also have to attach it to the owner. And Josh is fully aware that he does not have his first round pick, obviously. So it's not that tanking would ever be in his mind, but he pegs me as someone who always wants to win almost no matter what to a fault. That's what we both think of Kev too, one of the owls. He yep. always wants to win. And Kev right now, fortunately, does have a pretty solid team. And we're hoping that Kenny kind of balances him out. But Kenny's also similar in that vein where they both don't want to lose almost ever. So they always have this type of mindset. When we say they're aggressive, we just mean they will do anything they can to win their next game. Um, and of course, it'd be nice in a dynasty format to kind of build and sustain for the future. But just the way that they play, I'm like, oh man, like it's never just going to be an easy win. Obviously, when you go against the Yaws, they have the highest win percentage in the PDL. And Josh, you know, I mean, since the birth of this league, we kind of mean them saying, wow, he didn't take any quarterbacks in a super flex league. But look, he has never ended last. He's always in the thick of things. I think he even made the playoffs the first season. Maybe I'm remembering that incorrectly. But like he's always doing pretty solid, even when his roster isn't that strong. So now it's a little bit scarier because I'm looking at his roster now and saying, oh, you know what? Like, I actually like a handful of his players, which is something I didn't say beforehand. And that's not a knock on Josh. It's just, he's just able to pull off wins somehow when I don't see it there. So now when I'm feeling like his roster is a little bit stronger than years past, and now all of a sudden people are ranking him last, that was a huge huge head scratcher for me. So him being the surprise for you doesn't, Surprised me very much, but my biggest surprise there, and I would like to get your take, was, you know, the Southern Oregon Swerve, a.k.a. Mike's team, came in top four as the fourth team. I know that was kind of a weird way to word it, but the reason that was so surprising wasn't the fact that he was rated so highly because his team is looking really scary on paper, but it's more often the fact that a lot of other owners put it up so high as well. Uh, I think I definitely had Welch in my top six, but the fact that he was able to get to number four was a huge, huge shocker to me. And I know I kind of posted that little graphic saying how much he beat you by. He he honestly barely beat you here. Give me one second to kind of uh, pull that kind of picture up. And yeah, so he beat you by 0 0.07 points. So essentially just one random person ranking him higher than you is kind of what pushed him over the edge against you. And I'm not sitting here saying, oh, your team is better or his team is better. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just the, I guess, just looking at it, being like, wow, wait, Mike got the number four team in the preseason. Now it's pretty high praise. So that's pretty impressive, especially with Mike not having the strongest track record. Hey, was he trying to tank in the past? Who knows? Uh, maybe this is the year he kind of starts to put it together. Um, but like I said, this is not a knock on Mike's team. I think his team is really good, but I don't know. Just seeing him end at number four was a huge surprise. How about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little surprised that he was top four. I think I had him ranked five or six. I still had him like, being a playoff team. Yeah, pretty close. But I, um, I, I don't know. I was a little surprised too, just because I didn't think that like, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't think that everyone else was going to be as high on his team, especially like him himself. Like I think last year he voted himself like ninth or tenth or something like that, and I had him a little bit higher than he did. I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, and I, I thought that himself. I thought he would be lower on his own team than, than this. Um, but he said, I think he said in the chat that he ranked himself third. So he, he's definitely high on his team this year. And I guess he's trying to win. So um, for him, I guess it's not surprising for, for me and you. It's a, it's a little surprising. Like, I, I mean, I, I was, I wasn't like blown away, but I was like, you know, I, I guess I could see it. There's a stretch there. If like, like, I mean, it really just depends if um, Najee and, um Clyde have good years because they're his only like two running backs but if they both are like great this year like he could definitely be a top four team yeah I think overall the reason why this is so much fun is because when the season ends we could kind of reflect back on it and just kind of say hey were we right were we wrong let's see what happened I know we did something similar to that this past season as well but just kind of seeing what the consensus looks like is great I know there are some people that were trolling over than others and I couldn't pinpoint who it was even though I did try to have that email sign in I think for the future uh, one tweak I'm going to put is just at the very end the last question is just like enter your name here kind of thing and just so there's a little bit more accountability not saying that some people or intentionally trying to troll or anything like that, but there were definitely some rankings where I said, oh, okay, this is this is a little bit silly, even though that's not fair for me to say, because this is such a subjective thing. So if someone honestly believes this one team is much, much better than the others, and I think otherwise, that doesn't make it wrong, but there were still somewhere I looked at saying, all right, this is getting a little bit ridiculous. But I absolutely agree with you. If it was just between us, our two kind of surprises, Josh being last or Mike coming in fourth, in my opinion, the bigger surprise was definitely Josh coming in last. I, I think we are both on the record to say there's no way that is going to happen. Um, maybe this, hopefully this won't come back to bite us, but I think we're both in uh, clarity and understanding there. But let's ho- head over to the main course. And hey, Darren, what are we going to be talking about here? Um, so we're going to be talking about our own top five dynasty quarterbacks. Um, I figured that maybe we could kind of do like a little bit of a series like we did in the uh, – with a team breakdown so we could do like top, our top five quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Um, that's all we have in our league. So <laughs> that would be the end kickers, of the series. All that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, defense changes. You kicker, Justin Tucker, number one, and then <laughs> nothing else matters. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to be talking about top five quarterbacks, and this isn't just entering 2021 season. This is like if you were to start a new dynasty team, these are the quarterbacks you want to build around. And maybe we could do a little bit of foreshadowing on how we expect them to do next year, but I don't want this podcast to be too, too long because I'm trying to keep them a little bit shorter. But I guess what we'll do is, Darren, we both have the same quarterback at number one. Who is it? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. And it's pretty obvious why we both have him there. Yeah, this doesn't need much explanation, but I did pull up a little bit of stats just to kind of support why. Not that there is many reasons for why, but I don't think it's a hot take anymore to say that Patrick Mahomes is literally on the trajectory right now to go down as the greatest quarterback of all times, like ever. At 25 years old, he already has 114 touchdowns in just 46 games. And so let's talk about some of the quarterback finishes that he's had, but I'm going to take away some of the games that, he was injured and left mid game. I know that's a little bit unfair and kind of skews things, but just the amount of sheer consistency that he has is 
absolutely unbelievable. If we are going to try to take um, kind of on average where he would finish on a week-to-week basis, uh, if you take out those games, he would end up as a quarterback six, eight, and seven. I know that doesn't sound very good, but it's just the overall consistency that quarterbacks have is what kind of launches you there. And Patrick Mahomes absolutely has the ability to always end up as a quarterback one at any given week. I know there's a handful of quarterbacks that can do it, but if I was starting a team, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the match made with Andy Reid's offensive mind along with just kind of the sheer talent that he has around him. It's like they kind of put together that team in Kansas City specifically for Mahomes. Like, oh, he has a giant arm. Let's get Tyree Kill. Okay, who, what's the best Seth, yeah, What's the best safety blanket we can get? Okay, Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the league right now. All right, what else can we do? Oh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I know a lot of people thought he disappointed, but he could catch out of the backfield. And he was literally specifically chosen by Patrick Mahomes as well. So overall, not only is Kansas City's team great, but a lot of that is attributed to Patrick Mahomes. But what are some of your thoughts on Mahomes? I know you've always loved him, even in his Texas Tech days. Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought that Patrick Mahomes, if he could go to the right team, like I never thought that he would go to Kansas City or anything, especially during that draft. Like I think Kansas City was like 20-something in the draft when they, when they made the move up to get um, Patrick Mahomes. But it was like he had all of the tools and all the ability in the world when he was at Texas Tech. And you could tell, like, the one game I think he threw for, like, 700 and something yards. And it's like, that's just absolutely unbelievable. And it was, like, one of the kind of guys where, like, they'll talk about him and they'll be like, well, if he, like, could fix his mechanics and all that kind of stuff. And um, I was like, dude, like, he's he's good. Like, I always thought that, like, he was going to be good. And if he went to somewhere, like, if he went to, like, the Jaguars, like, I'm sure he wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes right now but he would still probably be pretty good. And I mean, I always thought that like to him, like I always thought he was like a Dan Marino type of quarterback, like someone that's going to put up like insane amount of stats. Like imagine Dan Marino in today's NFL, like Unbelievable. he was godly in the eighties, like, like 4,000 yards in a like <laughs> era where people are throwing like 2,500 yards. Like, yeah, that's a pretty good season. Yeah. And like that, Dan Marino today would probably throw for like 8,000 yards, but like, that's like, <laughs> that's, that's what like Patrick Mahomes is essentially doing now, especially <laughs> with the addition of that 17th game, dude. Oh my, every single record. Like I know right now, Tom Brady's kind of achieving all these records because you know, he's ancient. And the fact that he's sustaining high play, like any record that drew Brees kind of set Brady's about to like shatter them all. And then, you know, that Madden cover that just came out, you know, the goat and the baby goat with, you know, Brady mm-hmm. and Mahomes and everyone's like, oh yeah, he's the baby goat and blah, 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 blah. If I'm Brady, I'm literally sitting there and be like, yo, this 25 year old, literally not even in like 10 years, he's going to have like all my records and that's bullshit. <laughs> right. That's yeah. kind of the thought you have to have. It kind of like depends like, cause he, he could like, you never know really what a guy's going to do. Like who would have expected that Andrew Luck was, was going to retire two years ago. So like if, if he plays until he's like 40, he's definitely going to have every record, I would say, unless he has like some freak injuries or whatever. And like his career is cut short. But like if he retires at like 35, like he might, he's going to be top five in all the records, I would assume. But like he might not break every single one. It just kind of depends on how long he wants to play. Like he might be one of those kind of dudes that wants to just hang out with his kids and be like, you know what? I did enough. I won a few Super Bowls because so I would assume he would win a couple more by then. And he might just be like, yeah, that's, I'm good. <laughs> and then he might just retire. But One last thing I wanted to throw in about Mahomes, just to kind of magnify just how good he is. Literally, his very first season as a full-time starter where he played 16 games was in 2018. And that is the season where he won MVP and threw for 
50 yeah, touchdowns, 50 touchdowns to 12 interceptions with a touchdown percentage of 8.6. The next year, he only played 14 games, but he still threw for over 4,000 yards. He only had 26 touchdowns, and his touchdown percentage definitely dipped all the way down to 5.4. But then last year, he played about 15 games, and he threw for almost 5,000 yards, got way up to 38 touchdowns to six interceptions, and his touchdown percentage went back up to 6.5. So literally in three years of full-time starting, he's just, I've never seen anyone on this type of trajectory, and I completely agree with you. Uh, you never know what someone's future can hold, but literally, I, I don't even think I could play Madden right now and yeah. start my first year with some random quarter. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to throw for 50 touchdowns and win MVP. Like, that's only what you do in video games. That doesn't happen in real life. And it did happen in real life. And he's continuing to sustain, uh, obviously not the same as MVP season, but he's still pretty darn good. So that's an easy why Patrick Mahomes is number one. And to some people's surprise, we have the same quarterback at number two. Darren, who is it? <laughs> we have Josh Allen. And if you would have told me I would have had Josh Allen as my number two dynasty quarterback two years ago, I would have said that you're on drugs. But <laughs> he's here. He's here number two for, for both of us. Um, the monumental, like gigantic leap he took last year, going from like being a erratic, unstable, like loose cannon that scored points on the ground and stuff, but like you never knew what he was going to get passing. Making that leap he did last year, it was like holy crap! Like this guy's unbelievable. And even me, like someone who was like, yeah, he's he's gonna suck. Like he threw. I think he threw like 50% completion percentage at Wyoming. And I was like, how is this guy going to be good in the NFL? It didn't get much better in like his first year as a rookie either. <laughs> yeah. to be fair. So you're like, yeah. I'm not saying you were, but you had every right to puff your chest because you knew I was a big Josh Allen fan when he was in mm -hmm. college and you had every, and you never did because you're a good guy, but you had every right to be like, see Tommy, he sucks. And honestly at that time, I'd be like, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. But you know, he, he could get better. He, he, he might yeah. get better, but I would be I lying to myself. I mean, as you saw with um, my hope for Josh Rosen, I I like to give guys at least like two years, like so, like Tua Tua sucked this year, but like if Tua gets a little bit better this year, maybe like yeah, I can see him on the right path. But like if Tua is the same as he was this year as he was last year, like he he sucks and he's always going to suck most likely. So I know right now we're throwing a lot of shade over Josh Allen's way, but. One thing about Josh Allen, I think we could both agree, is he's gotten better every single year he's been into the yeah. NFL. I know he started at such a low bar his rookie year where he was a little bit rough around the edges. The next year, you know, it wasn't fantastic, but he definitely improved to the point you're saying, oh, wait, okay, he got a little bit better. But people could make the argument saying, well, yeah, if he started shit, there's no way to go but up, which is true. Yeah. But he did make the improvement. But the huge monumental leap that you're discussing was his breakout campaign last season. He completed... 69.2% uh, of his passes, over 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, and he was the QB one on the season, and he was literally the only player to exceed 400 total points, which is about 25 and a half points per game. That is absolutely unbelievable. And I think a lot of this isn't just a testament to, you know, what uh, Buffalo has done to kind of progress Allen to ensure that he gets better and better, putting the right pieces around him. But it was a complete change in philosophy this past year. There were so many times where I would be watching the Bills game. And one of the most specific uh, memories I have is when I was against Steve in the playoffs. Um, the Bills were winning a good amount of that game, and they just kept passing.
passing. I did not understand why. I just sat here being like, all right, yeah, I know Allen's good, but like you guys are winning. Why? It's first down. Why are you still throwing it? You're up by this much. It's the fourth quarter and you're still throwing it. It made no sense. So this huge philosophical change where they start throwing way more than running it, it, I think that has a huge testament to the trust that they had with Josh Allen. And if that's something that they can, I'm not saying continue to sustain, but I think the change is there. You saw like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary as your running back. And then you see Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. You're like, yeah, I kind of want to throw it more, which makes sense. And so now what else did they, didn't they go out and got like uh, Emmanuel Sanders. They still have uh, a good amount. And, you know, you love Gabriel Davis and I know Cole Beasley is still there. And so, Everything points to them still airing it out more than running it, which has been very different from what Buffalo has done in the past. When I think of Buffalo, think of terrible weather. So you got to keep it on the ground and nope, Josh Allen's strong arm is good enough to be able to fight against pretty much anything. So I think a lot of the huge success was that huge philosophical change and things like that. Yeah. As long as he stays on the trajectory that he's been on, like he's going to be right up there with Mahomes every single year. Like he is, going to be pretty much unstoppable and you got to think as like as he gets older he's probably going to be asked to run a little bit less than he has been so far because like they, they worry about him getting hurt and stuff um as he gets older but the, the dude's like if, as long as he stays what he was last year or even close to that like he's a top five quarterback every year no i completely agree so now let's get on to number three this is where we start differing so here how about you go over who you have at number three and explain why and who you have at number three is who I have at number four. So I'll sprinkle in some of my thoughts on this player as well. Yeah, yeah that, that'll work. So I have Lamar Jackson here at number three. Um, I think that he's, what, 25 years old. He's going to get a long-term extension with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know that his rushing upside is he's basically a running back. Um, and now that he has the best receiver he's had in his entire career, going back to Louisville, like his entire career, now that they added Rashad Bateman. Um, so I, I think that I saw the numbers pre-COVID and post-COVID uh, when Lamar had COVID last year. And the numbers of times that they passed per, per game last year dropped eight times per game after he got COVID. Mm -hmm. So maybe they thought that like the COVID affected him some, some way. Um, so you got to think that his passing numbers increase again next year, back to at least the number that it was pre COVID. So I think it was like 32 or 33 times a game. I think mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. um, so his passing attempts is going to increase. He's still going to have that rushing floor that he has. And I, I mean, he's 25. So to me, I think he's number three, but I know you have him number four. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Lamar Jackson. Obviously, that's why I went out and traded for him to now be a part of the Delco Dreamers. But I think he's actually a little bit underrated. He doesn't get enough credit as being a passer. This Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's a phenomenal passer. And he obviously regressed last year from his MVP 2019 season where he threw for 36 touchdowns. But last season, even though a lot of people might have been disappointed with him, he still completed 64% of his passes. And he threw for almost 3,000 yards, which I know isn't a lot, but he still had 26 touchdowns and he averaged what, like 22.8 points a game and things like that. But you have to think of the talent that was around him. Marquise Brown wasn't the most reliable guy. They had what, Willie Sneed there? And I know Mark Andrews yeah. was banged up throughout the season. Like that, that's not much at all. And so what did the Ravens do? They went out, got Rashad Bateman in the draft, Tylen Wallace, Sammy Watkins, say what you will. But now this is a much more upgraded 
pass catchers. I'm not saying every single player that I just mentioned are world beaters, but it is a significant upgrade from what they had. And one last thing I want to add in about Lamar is let's really talk about how good he is at rushing. He, in the past two seasons, he rushed for over 2,200 yards and 14 touchdowns. That's 848 more yards than Kyler Murray, who is in second with him. And even against running backs now, like a running back, Jackson is still good. He averages about 73.7 yards per game in the last two seasons. And that puts him at 10th, like the 10th most rushing per game in the past two seasons, including running backs. He's top 10. That's unbelievable. So with that in mind, that's why a lot of people are like, yeah, he's pretty good for a running back. Although that's kind of a meme. Is it though? Because I mean, he literally is a running back that's still, you know, throws it who I'm trying to say he is underrated in that aspect. So I feel like Lamar Jackson, even though he was a little bit disappointing uh, last year, what, like this last like four or five games of the season after what I believe he finally fully recovered from COVID, he started to kind of look like the old Lamar Jackson again. I said, oh, sweet. Here he is. He's back. And now I'm really hoping with, you know, this upcoming season, uh, say what you will about uh, Roman, their offensive coordinator, all that kind of stuff. I think that this is a make or break season for him. Uh, not Lamar, but uh, Roman, their offensive coordinator, because he's gotten his fair share of criticism, rightfully so. So I'm really hoping that they finally unleash the offense that we want. Not the neutered, oh, Lamar running here, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Bus, you kind of get. I want them to open it up again, so I'm really excited to kind of see where he goes. So it's very easy to see why he would be your number three, uh, although he's at my number four. Is there anything else you want to add about uh, Action Jackson? No, I think we covered it all. Um, so I guess, Nick, now we would move on to your number three is Kyler Murray, who I have at number five. I think that would probably make the most sense because the yep. last guy we just have completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. So uh, what is your thoughts on Murray? And uh, first, we'll say all the good things, and then maybe I'll talk about why you might have him a little bit lower on your list. So I, I personally, I have, I, I know you, you have him three, but like I have him five just because I, I, I'm a little afraid of his durability. Um, just because That's he's fair. so small, um, like I know he's like yeah, he's only what three player. seven. <laughs> yeah, he's about he's about five five probably. <laughs> he's, he literally looks With like, a, like a child, <laughs> like when he's running. When he, he runs, looks he like looks like one of those like cartoon characters, like yeah. from Looney Tunes. I'm not even joking. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think he, he has that rushing floor, same as Lamar. It's not as as high as Lamar's rushing floor, but he has that like backed in with his um with his scoring every uh every week and he has weapons around him like they brought in rondell moore they brought in aj green like say we will he's pretty much ancient at this point but um he can help some games i would think like they have deandre hopkins there obviously um they have chase Evans, james connor and i think they upgraded their offensive line a little bit so i think that now they finally have like, because Cliff Kingsbury, it seems like he's wanted to run four wide wide receivers since he took over that team. Oh, dude, that's his and, wet dream. Yeah, it seems like now they can probably do that this year with Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, AJ Green, and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that sounds to me pretty deadly. If AJ Green is the worst wide receiver you have on the field, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty um, good. So I think that Kyler Murray this year and into the future. Uh, as long as that four wide wide receiver thing works. And if it doesn't, Cliff Kingsbury, he probably gets fired and then they bring in someone else. So Kyler Murray, durability aside, he's definitely a top five quarterback in my opinion. And I, I think you could definitely, I could see the argument for you having him number three. 
yeah, the main reason I have at number three is because of that rushing cheat code that you have, but not just a rushing cheat code. Murray is actually a good thrower. Like I'm not, <laughs> I know this is kind of weird because I just said uh, Jackson is underrated as a passer, but uh, I feel like Murray is just a good thrower, even if he didn't have his legs, but his legs is what sets him apart. I mean, last year he rushed for 819 yards and 11 touchdowns, 11 touchdowns. That's unbelievable. And then he also threw for nearly 4,000 yards, 26 passing touchdowns as well. I mean, these are unbelievable numbers. And you also have to keep in mind that he bummed his shoulder and that bothered him throughout like the whole season, essentially. Murray was a QB one. So, you know, a top 12 QB in 11 games, giving him a start percentage of almost or just right around 68%. And that was second only to Aaron Rodgers, who had an unbelievable 81%. But, you know, that was his MVP season last season. So it's kind of unfair to kind of compare up to that. And the biggest, I guess, sour taste a lot of people have is the fact that Murray was actually only a QB1 just three times in the second half of the year. So in this final eight games, he was QB1 just three times. So... A lot of this kind of, I guess, decline was definitely his shoulder. I remember seeing that one route tree that DeAndre Hopkins was uh, running. Do you remember seeing that uh, Twitter picture where he would just do like a 10-yard out almost every single time? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was like not good. And then another reason was also the lack of rushing touchdowns that came uh, in the second half where it wasn't matching that unbelievable pace that he had. So this is just a long-winded way of saying with kind of the addition of all the pass catchers that he uh, Arizona has, the fact that, you know, J.J. Watt even went over to Arizona and at his age, you would only go to a team that you honestly think can win. And he looked at Arizona saying, no, this could fit me, Chandler Jones, uh, Buda Baker, all these kind of guys. And then Kyler Murray kind of manning that offense with all those weapons. I think we got a shot. So in theory, if their defense is a little bit better, puts them in a better field position than they were last year, that offense is going to be absolutely dynamic with his feet and his arm. But I definitely see your concern uh, being a hobbit and playing quarterback. Unfortunately, they don't have the magical powers to be durable, unfortunately. So it looks like that is definitely a, a concern, but I feel like uh, I, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has to go to a and be like, you'll finally utilize that baseball background. You've got to slide. I understand that you want to, get every little yard you can, but I much rather you only gain eight yards than potentially 20 yards. If that means that you're going to take a big hit at the end of that 20 yards, just slide kind of thing. We need you. So I think that's going to finally resonate. Exactly. I mean, he's so (laughs) close to the ground. He doesn't have to do much work to finally slide. So you think he'd be a little bit better, but that's the main reason he's at number three for me because of not just his rushing output, but the fact that just as passing alone, I would put him up there uh, in one of the tops of the league. So with that being said, let's talk about your number four, someone who I don't have on my list, which is a little bit embarrassing in hindsight um, because he is good and I am a fan of this quarterback, but I feel like the quarterback I have instead of them makes sense as well. But who is your number four quarterback? My number four is Justin Herbert. Um, I was really going between the guy that you have on your list, but um, just because of the youth and the age and how good he was last year, um, I felt like it warranted a top five spot for me. Um, I don't know. I just think that like the guys around him are good. Like I, I know Mike Williams, probably I would say it's his last year in Los Angeles, but Keenan Allen's going to be there for a while. Josh Palmer. I've seen guys that compare Josh Palmer to um, Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. And if he can be Terry McLaurin, if you can have Terry McLaurin and, um, Keenan Allen and I mean 
they are also have Austin Eckler, who I did mention, but the weapons around him are pretty good. The offensive line, they improved a lot. Like their, their offensive line compared to last year is so much better. And I think that was the main thing that was kind of in Herbert's way last year was kind of, he got hit a little bit too much. Um, so if he can improve on his already good season last year, uh, I mean, can he be top five this year? Um, I, I would think so because he, you, you think about it and he was the kind of guy, like, I know you didn't really like him coming out of college last year. Right. And I didn't either. No, I hated him. I didn't just dislike <laughs> him. I, I genuinely thought he sucked. Like, I, I thought he was another kind of, like, Josh Allen kind of guy. Like, he was, like, erratic and big arm. He had all the physical tools. Like, he was fast. He ran, like, a 4 six forty. I'm pretty sure. Um, but if he can be that kind of guy as Josh Allen, which I think maybe. Like, he was way better his first year than Josh Allen was. So, if he can – I know they have a new coaching staff, so that might maybe not be the best thing. I was really hoping that they were going to hire Brian Dable from Buffalo. Because if they got him and he did what he did for um, Josh Allen, I thought he could do the same for Justin Herbert. But they went in a different direction. But as long as that new coaching staff brings him along the same way that they did Josh Allen, I think he's top five a lock. Yeah, I am a big fan of Herbert now. I love to be proved wrong. I know that sounds weird, but I I enjoy that. I welcome it. I'm not someone who kind of doubles down saying, no, I thought Herbert sucks, so he still sucks. I really yeah. just the way that he plays the game is so exciting. He's up there with Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's as good as Patrick, but just watching him play, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is fearless. He does what he wants mm-hmm. to do. But a big reason why I don't have him in my top five is mostly because there's way too much uncertainty for me. Like I'm not comfortable having him in there only because yes, he had a fantastic historic rookie season as a quarterback. But a lot of the times people have the misconception of thinking, oh, it's only going to get better from here. He was like this as a rookie, so it's only going to get better. Unfortunately, we don't like to also think of the reality of saying, oh, maybe he will regress. A sophomore slump could happen. Something could impact his confidence or maybe a different philosophy is instilled with a new coaching staff or whatever have you. Similar to like what Baker Mayfield did. He was unbelievable his rookie year. Uh, He was super efficient, phenomenal. He had so much swag. Then he obviously regressed really poorly. And ever since then, I feel like he's slowly trying to get back to what we thought we saw his rookie year. This is not a comparison at all. I'm not saying he's on the same trajectory as Baker Mayfield. They're completely different types of quarterbacks. But what I am saying is I am a little bit more afraid only because there's just, when it comes to dynasty fantasy football and you're trying to think of a top five quarterback, that means that is probably one of your first picks, right? Because in a super flex league, a quarterback should be your first round pick unless you're in the back half. So in my head, it's would I take Herbert with my very first pick in a super flex dynasty draft. And for me, Right now, it's no, only because there are too much uncertainty on the table for me, whereas I might take the guy I have at number five with the first uh, pick, only because, to me, I think it's safer and has a little bit more clarity. But is there anything else you want to add uh, to Herbert? No. Yeah, you can talk about your guy. Oh, also, I did want to say, when you were kind of comparing Herbert to Josh Allen, Herbert is a big guy like he's Cam Newton sized like he's a big boy so he can absolutely give you that floor of rushing if they want to utilize him in that way Um, but time will only tell if that is something that they're going to do because he is so valuable in the pocket throwing so I don't know how much they're going to want him to kind of 
uh, skew away from that to increase his chances of injury. But you're absolutely right. If he has that rushing floor as well, he is definitely a lock at five, as long as he's able to continually produce and progress. But the player I had at my uh, top five that you didn't, that you said you were in between is definitely Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is someone that I know you have always liked all the way back in the Mississippi State days. But the one thing I love about Dak is very similar to why I like Josh Allen. Literally every single year he has been in the NFL so far, he has been getting better. Uh, He obviously won rookie of the year. And a lot of people said, oh, maybe Zeke should have won that. But let's not take away with what Dak was able to do his rookie year. And every single year he has been in the NFL. Let me tell you his quarterback finishes. His rookie year, he was a QB six. Then he was a QB 10 the next year. QB 10 again the year after that. And then a QB two. And then, of course, everyone knows last year he was on a ridiculous pace that I don't think was sustainable, but then he got hurt. So he was unbelievable. And in the four games, he's a QB 19, one, four, and one. Once again, I don't think that's sustainable, but the fact that he was showing how good he was continually getting is unbelievable. And to me, the reason I am trusting Dak Moore is he's still relatively young. I think he has a talent that could continue to grow. And the most important part, he finally got that long-term deal with the Dallas Cowboys. And that's huge because the way that Jerry kind of likes to play is he, don't you agree? Jerry Jones is kind of like the GM of the team that he always wants to do the sexy thing. Like, I feel like as long as Jerry is continually doing his thing and Dak is on the roster, he will always be surrounded by talent. Obviously right now heading into next season, he has CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Zeke, all those kind of great players. So it's kind of, to me, as long as Dak is tied to the Dallas Cowboys, he will always have a bright future because Jerry will do everything in his power to continually surround him with something. And so because of that, it just feels a lot more safer to me uh, putting Dak over Herbert. That's not me saying that that is a better pick in a dynasty context because Herbert is obviously younger. But the fact that Dak has shown off that he can already be a QB, what, two? He was a QB two already. So the fact he's already done it before and the fact that his lowest QB uh, finish was a QB 10, if that's his floor, I mean, come on, talk about consistency here. But I know he's coming off of that brutal ankle injury so a lot of people say oh maybe he won't run as much anymore maybe he'll just throw or whatever that only time will tell but the fact when you look at Dak Prescott he's a tough guy been getting as a passer every single year and he does utilize his legs that is something that is kind of the common theme in our top five uh maybe outside of Mahomes Mahomes definitely does utilize his legs but definitely not as much as everyone that we have discussed so far on the list but that's only because yeah, he's Mahomes, sneaky with it yeah yeah he's like unworldly with his arms so that kind of is why he kind of gets a pass but yeah, what are some of your thoughts on uh, Dakota Rain? Yeah, I, as you said, uh, I I have liked Dak forever. Like I was hoping that the Eagles were going to take him. I think he went this he went the same draft as uh, Carson Wentz, and when we had a late pick in that draft, and I was hoping, hey, maybe we get Dak Prescott with like the late first, early second, something like that, and instead we traded up and we got Carson Wentz, and we all knew how that played out. And <laughs> even when that You're not happened, salty I was about that so, at all. Dude, you're so mad so when they pissed. did that. Like, because it was like, like, I, I, and it's weird because, like, I really like Trey Lance this year. So when it was Carson Wentz, I was like, at the school, the school doesn't matter to me like that much. Like, I just saw Carson Wentz and I was like, he's, I don't know, there, there was just always like something about him. And like, he got hurt every year in college too. And I was like, how are we going to take this guy, top two, a guy that got hurt every year in college, and we're going to expect him to not get hurt in the NFL? And 
it just didn't make any sense to me why we're giving up all that capital that we did to go up and get a guy like that. Um, I would have been, and we know how Jared Goff turned out too, but like, I would have been happier if we got Jared Goff at the time, just because like, at least he was good at Cal and he was like durable and he didn't get hurt. And um, sometimes like, it's like the cliche phrase, the best ability is availability, but at least Jared Goff didn't really get hurt until last year. I think last year he got hurt and he missed a couple games, but like, Carson Wentz was hurt every single year. I and love how this have... turned into, how do you <laughs> like that? You'd be Carson like, dude, Wentz. I fucking hate Carson Wentz, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, back to Dak Prescott. Um, last year, if he didn't break his ankle, I mean, would he have finished as the quarterback one? I mean, he was definitely on pace too. He was, I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure because I know you said that um, Josh Allen had over 400 points. He was the only quarterback that did that. But the Dallas defense is still just as bad as it was last year. Their only like main addition was adding Dan Quinn, who sucked with the Atlanta defense. And they added Micah Parsons, who's a linebacker. And they already had two good linebackers. So I don't know what they were doing there. So their defense is going to be just as bad. So Dak is – you pretty much lock him in as a top three quarterback this year if he's healthy. Um, if, if he didn't finish one last year, he would have finished two. And like you said, the next four years, at least he's in Dallas. And he's tied to, you would think, two of CeeDee Lamb and either Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup. And that's that's pretty darn good. And once Zeke is gone in two years, when they cut him off of that ridiculous contract, they're going to get another good running back there because Jerry Jones is 95. And he wants a good running back. So they're going to have a good running back with Dak Prescott. Like, it's just, it's a guarantee. <laughs> Exactly. So that's why I feel like he's going to be locked in. The Dallas defense last year was on pace to be his, one of the historically worst defenses within like what the first four or five games. It, like it was pathetically bad. They definitely started yeah. to improve down the stretch, but I mean, kind of similar to our take with how Josh Allen started. He was just so bad. Anything he could have done the next year was better. Similar to Dallas. I don't think they're going to be as bad. They're going to be a little bit improved, but like, what does that really say? They're still going to be really bad. So yeah. Darren, before we head over to the dessert, can you just remind our listeners right now who your top five quarterbacks are? So I have, oh, I wanted to mention, I do have a dark horse and this is who I would have had in my top five if it wasn't for his legal drama. And I think everyone, myself included, <laughs> and everyone else would have this person in the top five if he didn't like the so, little masseuses. Yeah, I would have had, I actually, and it's weird because like I have Justin Herbert in there in number four. If, if it wasn't for Deshaun Watson, doing the diddling and stuff, I probably would have, instead of taking off Kyler Murray, I probably would have taken off Justin Herbert, which just doesn't make any sense. But I would have taken off my number four quarterback instead of my number five. But and then would you have slid him right in at number four? <laughs> yeah, because like, I think that just, it, it kind of depends a little bit on like what team he goes to. But it, I mean, the teams that don't have a quarterback right now, it's like Denver. If he goes to Denver, like he's going to be a top five quarterback 100% with the weapons that they have. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of depends on what happens with this legal stuff. And it's it, all this stuff, like the rumblings kind of went away. So it seems like he's going to settle and that he still might miss, miss the season this year, but next season, he's going to be on a new team in a better situation. I would assume. And if you look at his finishes, except for his rookie year, when he got hurt, he was five, 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 like he hasn't been below five. So he's always been a top five quarterback, essentially. It, it's he's like, He's going to go somewhere good, I would assume, like somewhere that has a – because no one's going to trade for a quarterback like him if they don't have at least a, an inkling that they can be a winning team. 
So if he goes to Denver, if he goes, I saw Philadelphia as an option. If he goes to Philadelphia and they have Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager and Miles Sanders, like, dude, Deshaun Watson is going to be awesome and like awesome. So like, Philly fans will literally not care about whatever's happening right now. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, but Philly (laughs) would literally not care. That's one of the cities. Like, I know there's a lot of cities that actually care about having a good human being. Philly is not one of them. I know they have a no. completely different culture within the locker room of the way that they kind of said it's actually yeah. a really classy organization. But the fans themselves, if he yeah. comes in and he's good, Philly would not give an F. But if he comes in and they, he sucks, <laughs> oh, dude, he is going to be castrated on the field. They would go as far as to go the opposite direction and defend him. Oh, say, yeah, they will. <laughs> that, <say laughs> They're going to be so women, stupid about it. <laughs> they, the women were in the wrong, and Deshaun did everything right. Oh, and yeah. they would say that they've done that themselves, and why are you doing this? Because Can you this imagine is what, what the uh, Philly sports radio, the, the <laughs> brain-dead people that only has two brain cells that they have to rub together? Oh, no, it's Deshaun Watson. He's an NFL <laughs> superstar. Of course these women wanted him. Why else would they go over there? Oh, man, I could hear it. It's going to be terrible, and we're going to be like, yeah. wow, we are so terrible trashy but we have to embrace it but no you're absolutely right so like you said your top five is Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen Lamar Jackson Herbert and Murray but if Watson didn't have all this mystery cloud just switch out Herbert with Watson my list is Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen Kyler Murray Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott but same with me if Watson kind of didn't have that cloud hanging over him I would just swap out Prescott with Deshaun Watson and I might even move him above Lamar as well but those are our top five quarterbacks that we would pretty much build our team around if we were kind of doing another startup and things like that. I don't know if you guys agree or not, but for the one listener that listens to this podcast, let us know <laughs> what is your top five. I think that'd be dope. But let's head over to the dessert and finally bring this podcast to a close. And what are we talking about here? So I thought it would be interesting if we picked a, an MVP, like a sleeper MVP pick, not not what he, somebody that's going to be like the top like Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or whatever someone that's like high up there but someone that like you might not really assume um so who do you have you know after you explain that I feel bad because I feel like mine may be someone we kind of pick as like a dark horse I guess so it's definitely not as much of a sleeper as yours but I pick Matt Stafford and I feel like this is pretty obvious when you really start looking into it especially because what the LA Rams was one game short of reaching the NFC championship, they just got, you know, destroyed by Green Bay, but pretty much everyone did up until, you know, Tampa Bay kind of came around and stuff like that. But I mean, they're able to beat Seattle, even though they're the sixth seed and Seattle was the third seed. They won 30 to 20. And then of course they got decimated by Green Bay, but they did all of that with Jared Goff pretty much handicapping that entire offense. Like Cam Akers looked fantastic last year. Hopefully this upcoming year, sophomore season is going to have, you know, an encore season where he kind of continues to dominate and things like that. But now throw in Stafford and, you know, everyone, the consensus is Stafford is really good. He was just on a really crappy team. Well, let's see if this is true now, because now he's on a great team, great situation, great defense, everything about the Rams looks good. And if the Rams can make a deep playoff push or even make it to the Super Bowl, it's going to be hard to say, oh, it was because of Stafford or it wasn't because of Stafford because he was pretty much the only big change that have really occurred on that team. I know there had 
other free agency. They had a draft and all that kind of stuff. But I'm really excited to finally see because I feel like the chatter around McVay has kind of died down. It wasn't that long ago where any like anyone that sat on the same seat that McVay farted on, you got a coaching interview. And now it's almost everyone's like, oh, wow, let's go talk about uh, the ball. Let's talk about um, what's his face over there, uh, Shanahan. Let's talk about all these other coaches. And I feel like McVay is sitting there and be like, bro, I got to show the league that I still got it. And I feel like Stafford will be able to finally unlock this offense that all of us kind of fell in love with. So I feel like he is definitely a, uh, is he a sleeper MVP? I guess in definition it would be because a lot of other people will probably pick what, like Josh Allen, um, you know, Mahomes and things like that. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's like, he's like borderline. Uh, I looked at the, uh, the actual odds when I was like making my pick and they have Matt Stafford five. So it's, it's borderline, I would say like, and it's weird because Matt Stafford is ahead of Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, which I would not have guessed. So mm-hmm. um, Vegas is higher on Matt Stafford than those guys, which is, I think is kind of weird just because it's like, it's, it's his first time being, being with the team. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's a little weird, but um, yeah, like I, in my opinion, I would say he's more like, eighth on that list instead of fifth but vegas has him as fifth which i I think is weird but i'm not here to argue with vegas but (laughs) i have um i have baker mayfield and this is um a little outside the box i think but here i have um i have aaron Rodgers' stats from last year he had 4300 yards 48 touchdowns and five picks last year baker mayfield had 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, and eight picks. Um, so my thinking here is the Browns are one of the best teams in the AFC, which is so weird to say, but they're one of the best teams in the AFC. If they can win the AFC North, which I think is very possible because the Steelers probably are going to be just as good as they were last year, if not a little bit worse, and the Ravens, they could be better than the Ravens again. Um so they win the AFC North. They have the best record in the AFC, which basically they're pretty much only going to have to beat out the Chiefs and the Bills. Um, so if they can have the best record in the AFC and Baker Mayfield can bump up his stats a little bit. So if he gets like, say he gets 500 more yards and 10 more touchdowns. So he has 35, 36 touchdowns and 4,000 yards. I think you could make a case for Baker Mayfield getting to there. Um, if, if Odell returns to his New York Giants form, um, they do have good skill players there, obviously, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper and David Njoku. Like, and they have one of the better lines in the, NFL, in the NFL, the whole NFL, really. And I just think that if he can, the second year with Kevin Stefanski, if he takes a little bit more of a jump than he did that first year, because down the stretch, I think it was, Post by um, last year, he was the number eight quarterback in fantasy. So if he can parlay that into the entire 2021 season, it's in within reach, I guess. Um, it's kind of a stretch, I would say, but I mean, I could see it. Um, the, the, it's, it all comes down to them winning games, really, because like I think the stats him getting 4,000 yards and like 36 touchdowns is probably easier than them having the best record in the AFC. And I think probably the only way he would get that because Patrick Mahomes is going to have better stats than him. Josh Allen's going to have better stats than him. Um, 
but if he can have the best record in the AFC with the Browns, with the Cleveland Browns, I think he can win the MVP. Yeah, I honestly was getting ready to laugh at you about this pick, but after you laid out your argument, it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like a lot of this also has to have a little bit of hope that is in your heart that OBJ is going to have a renaissance because a big reason if Mayfield becomes the MVP, not only does his team win, but he has to be a large part of why that is happening. So that means that I'm not saying he's airing it out. Like he's not putting up Patrick Mahomes like numbers, but he's still doing something significant enough where we're like, oh damn, look at Baker. And the only, not the only way, but a major factor of how that could happen is if Odell finally looks like what like it's 2017 2017, it's it's been so long ago since he's actually been good and i know that's rude because he's been hurt or i don't i'm running out of the amount of excuses that he says or what injury or what blah. it's really it's really i mean last year not well last year he was hurt the year before that he played the whole season like hurt um but he's still i mean he was a top 25 receiver but like for someone that's talked about even as much as i like odell someone that's talked about in the light of odell if you're if you don't think you can play it hundred percent and you're being brought back by these injuries, why not just get surgery or whatever you need to just, and just not play, you know, like if you can't play up to your full ability, you might be hindering the team just because you're out there. Uh, I'm not saying that he was because like the option behind him is definitely a worse player, but um, I, he's, he's been hurt every single year. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad. Um, and if it was like a player that wasn't Odell Beckham, if it was like, if it was like Julio Jones or like Calvin Johnson, like someone that like never really talked, just played the game and just didn't say anything ever. Um, people will be like, man, like that's, that's terrible. Like what happened to Odell? But just since Odell is Dell, like people like are like, ah, fuck him. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like some of it had to be like self-induced essentially i feel like really oh, yeah, casual yeah, yeah. fans still know who odell is and like i and i'm talking like casual casual like uh well emily is more than a casual fan she actually knows a lot but i like the running joke of oh my girlfriend might know who odell is but they probably don't yeah. know who deandre hopkins is you know what i mean mm-hmm. so things mm-hmm. like that like he has such a big name and brand that it is disappointing and it's almost like dude come on you do a lot of talking the talk, even though you have settled. And I, I, I agree. I think Odell definitely gets unfair treatment with the media. They try to make him out as a villain, but he's chilled out a lot more since. But yeah. I'm hoping that he's able to bounce back because I feel like that would be a big way that Mayfield is able to win it. And honestly, the NFL is better when Odell's good. He's a lot of fun to watch. That's undeniable. He was on a Hall of Fame pace his first handful of years. And I still cherish the fact that you would always complain saying, Dude, if Odell had anyone other than Eli throwing him the ball, he would be amazing. He finally got matched up with Baker, who you and I were a huge, huge fan of. And unfortunately, injuries kind of took over. But that is unfortunate. But that is kind of the definition. You played the game right. You did pick a good sleeper. I picked, It's like you said, he's top five in MVP. That's not a sleeper at all. So I do regret that. I probably should have looked at that list and picked another quarterback or, you know, some other candidate. But that is what I am sticking with. But I feel like that's a pretty good way to go. But yeah, Darren, do you have any final words before we put this episode to a wrap? No, I'm just going to say, I thought for that, because Kyler Murray is ninth on the list, I thought you were going to pick Kyler Murray. Oh, man. So I thought Kyler Murray would have a higher chance in Stafford. Okay, I am going to pivot. I think Kyler Murray is going to end. 
It's a lock. He's a top three lock in quarterback finishes. Uh, absolutely a lock for top three, in my opinion. So I don't know if that's going to translate over to wins. I think Arizona is going to do pretty well next year. So, hey, I am pivoting kind of like what you, I, like I said, I thought Kyler would have a higher chance than Stafford. I didn't actually look at, uh, you know, what the odds were. But if he is ninth, he is 100% my pick. That That's the easiest pick I've made all day. Because like I said, I think so highly of him to the point where I just assumed he would already be top five and I wasn't allowed to pick him. Uh, I mean, he's so high to the point where he's literally my third quarterback that I would rebuild a super flex team around. So that's how highly I think of him. And yes, I am somewhat influenced because he is half Korean, but I think it's just that rushing floor and just everything he brings onto the table. The only downside of Murray, honestly, besides his size and durability issues is I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think he was a good coach. I don't think he was ever a good coach. And so I I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Murray real quick? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see him winning the MVP. Um, As long as he, because I know he had that weird shoulder injury last year. As long as he can stay healthy, I don't see any reason why he couldn't win the MVP if they win that division. Um, Cause it's a tough division. So if they win that division, he, he's, you know, he's going to have good stats. So I, I don't see why he couldn't win. And we're both in agreement that uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, with the extra game, 17 games, he's pretty much a lock for what 2,500 yards receiving, right. <laughs> and like 42 touchdowns, I think. He, he might have even more than that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you love to hear it, but no, uh, I am pivoting, like Darren said, uh, definitely changing out Stafford for Kyler Murray. But yeah, Darren, any additional final parting words? No. All right, keeping it nice and short. All right, guys, hopefully I will work on additional projects for the league. I have been a little bit more absent-minded only because both of us have been so busy. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter if I work on anything because everyone's going to say I'm rigging something anyway. So what's the point, yeah. right? So. <laughs> Let's have some fun. At least I can't, uh, you know, mess up a podcast. It's just having a good conversation with a friend. But hopefully we'll be able to do this a little bit more regularly. But until next time, guys, take care. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed your meal. We'll catch you next time.